Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel, promo code 444. New users can take advantage of FanDuel's risk-free first bets. Get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today, enter our promo code 444, and take advantage. I am Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen, John Dale. Connor, we'll start with you, coming off of a big weekend, my man. Big week ahead, you got uh, Honeymoon. On the docket, leaving tomorrow. How you doing? Never been better. Uh, you know, heading off to Portugal tomorrow, and uh, the wedding last weekend was amazing. You know, I had a blast. Hung out with a lot of people that you know got to hang out with all my my loved ones and people I care about, and it was just such a, so fun, so so fun. You killed it. It was a great weekend. Congratulations again to you and your beautiful bride. Um, jamming in a uh, NFC West betting preview before. You get in the road because, you know, typically in the spot on Wednesdays, um, that is not going to work for us this week. So um, jamming one in and then we'll miss you uh, for next week. I think we should just miss one with you, right? If we're doing this one. Yep. Yep. Just so one. We'll, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll tap. Uh, we'll go to the bullpen with, with Sharp Clark again. Hopefully uh, he's up for that one. But uh, JD, how are we doing, my friend? Doing well. After Wisconsin, I guess I have done the worm now in Colorado, California, and Door County so far. Only one more wedding, thankfully, this off season for me to attend. Uh, everyone tells needs to tell everyone else to stop being my friend. Yeah, I got uh, I got a picture of the the uh, the worm in action. Didn't share it socially, just shared it, you know, internally. Uh, you know, got a little. There's a already video. there's already one from this off season shared, I believe. Uh, was this off season or last off season? Whatever the case, Peter Jennings' wife, the lovely Ashley Jennings, already has a video of me, uh, and posted it on social media. Yeah, I'm older, so like I, I don't have a lot of weddings. Like most of my friends are either you know they're married, they never got married, or you know so it's good you know having Connor, my son, in my life, uh, to uh, you know be young and uh, to get married. I love weddings. You know, good food, good people. I mostly didn't, you know, I didn't know most of the people. So like, you know, you get out there, you can meet new people, you know, on the dance floor for a couple hours. It's a good time. Good food that most people expect since they RSVP ahead of time, unless you're Silva and you sit down next to me and ask, did someone cook this for me? He was so surprised that he walked into a meal. Shocked. Absolutely yeah. shocked. He did just arrive when the food arrived, which is, uh, you know, another story. For Not shocking day. at all either. Yeah. Yeah. Probably good because if you're rolled up in a cowboy suit during the ceremony, <laughs> I think that some of the parents dressed in and everyone else dressed in full suits might have had a coronary. So the the only other story <laughs> I will share is that all I know is I woke up at 7 a.m. in our Airbnb, which I purchased for a group of people, and I was the only one in that Airbnb at 7 a.m. after the wedding. That's the only story I'll share. <laughs> that sounds like a good night. Yeah, yeah. There are other stories that involve um, you know. Connor's mom and, you know, different things that we'll stay away from just for the sake of the show. Just in case, you know, maybe there's some new audience this week. You know, there are people that seem like Connor's dad didn't know. He encouraged him to do a show, but seemed that he was completely surprised that Connor's been doing a show with me for five years. (laughs) So, like, you know, maybe Connor's dad is tuning in this week or uh, maybe catching some other stuff. Connor's dad also looks just like Connor. Like, uh, the genes legitimately came 100% from one person in that (laughs) relationship. But yeah. Connor's post was correct. He massively, massively outkicked his coverage. Um, Maggie crushed the the weekend, and it was uh, it was awesome to to celebrate you guys. So uh, we will jump into the uh, football part of the show now. We are again in uh, the swing of things. We are getting close. Camps opening, news coming down, and uh, it's actually kind of a good reason to be doing the NFC West because they kind of had the the lock on news on Monday. And some of the biggest news that's come out, I guess you could say today, has also been in this division. So if you missed any other shows, jump back. Podcast form, YouTube. We have a playlist. You can find all of them there. Anywhere you're finding podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, all those different things. Find us, rate, review, subscribe. All those things help us quite a bit. Uh, The betting sub on 444 is the best bargain in the space. Head over to 444.com slash plans. Check it out. You will get access to everything on the site, all the work that JD is doing in the team preview side, projections, tools, any other sports, redraft leagues. Gosh, it's just an immense uh, plethora of tools and articles and stuff. So check that out. Um, We're cruising. 
now too. Uh, like Paulson updated projections for Julio Jones, which we'll talk about on the show on Thursday. Um, I knocked out post wedding. I, I knocked out fourteen previews in twenty four hours. Like now that we're actually settled, we're actually we're cruising now. Paulson's and, not on and, vacation. Uh, no, he, <laughs> no, that's, I get that joke. Never mind. <laughs> <Shocking>. <laughs> that's a, that's a behind the scenes joke. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, the man built this, the site with his bare hands. He could take as many vacations as he wants, as I told him, but I promised him that I will constantly make fun of him for being on vacation, uh, you know, 16, 17 weeks a year. So good for J JP. Uh, we'll start with the Rams. Uh, the defending Super Bowl champions are 11-1 to do it again. They are five to win to win the NFC. The win total here, 10.5. Um, fairly good juice, on uh, the depending on which side you want to get it at. And uh, they are plus 135 on Caesars to win this division. They have the second hardest schedule in the league. From a rest standpoint, they are, you know, most of the rest in this division is, is fairly negligible. Uh, plus two on the Rams side. But uh, again, easy to forget. It was not super smooth sailing for the Rams. Uh, we're often goldfish. We really can only remember what we saw last. Easy to remember the confetti falling. The Rams have a ton of superstars. Uh, but again, like a lot of close games, especially late in the season in the playoffs and even in the Super Bowl to win and knock it down. They are solid. They were very solid on both sides of the ball. I don't know that they were really elite in terms of EPA per player DVOA on either side. But again, they thrived. In late game situations, they are a very top heavy team. They have stars, stars stayed healthy, and the stars performed. So, um, from a coaching standpoint, we know it's still Sean McVay's offense. There's a new OC here, though. Kevin O'Connell left to take over the Vikings job. Liam Cohen, who had been uh, with the Rams for a number of years, left last year. Poor guy did not get a Super Bowl ring, went and uh, was the coordinator for Kentucky. Uh, now is back to take on the OC role here with the Rams. So, uh, Connor, kick us off. What are your thoughts on LA? I think you covered most of it there. They are just a little bit more fragile this year than I think that most people are anticipating. So, you know, only favored in 11 games this season, uh, despite facing the second toughest schedule. Uh, and they're slightly positive on net rest also, as you mentioned. But some of their defense, they lost a few pieces here that I think could make, you know, cause some issues. Von Miller, Darius Williams, Austin Corbett, Sebastian Joseph Day, all gone. Last year, they ranked ninth in EPA per play allowed, but just 26 in pressure rate, 19th in explosive pass rate allowed. You know, some of those pieces departing, I think, you know, could cause this defense a little bit more issues and just put a little bit more pressure on the offense. So I don't personally have a lean on the win total there because, again, I think 10 and a half more than encompasses kind of a lot of the issues that I discussed. Um, but at the same time, I do think there will be more pressure on the offense. A play we did take from this team is I played uh, Cam Akers under 950 and a half rushing yards at one point. Um, you know, I know that he's going to see a lot of work, but, you know, just Average just 2.6 yards per carry last year, returning from his Achilles injury. I know that the matchups were tough. I know that, you know, a lot of that goes in. But, I mean, he, he tried to return from an Achilles injury. There is still, despite him returning sooner than ever, there is still no track record of a player playing well, like a skill player playing well returning from Achilles. So, sure, he was there. He returned. Uh, and I do expect him to get the first crack at handling the majority of the touches. But, I mean, assuming that he not only keeps that and plays efficient enough, but also maintains his health enough to keep going like that. Obviously you are much more likely to tear your Achilles again after tearing it once, uh, according to actual doctors. So uh, I'm very comfortable taking the under at 950. We have projected for 830 this season. So I, I don't, that's a more of a fantasy take. I don't mind the bet. I will not be hugging it in our discord, but I still think you got to remember he's two years removed and you don't want to be a victim of recency bias last year. What he performed, what he accomplished didn't matter at all towards how we should project him for this year. Uh, and in any, and it, because he's going to be two years removed from that Achilles injury, first of all. Also, of course, he reset like David and Joku resetting the market for tight end contracts. Like David and Joku can't catch or pass, but he got that money. Cam makers reset what it means to come back and return from an Achilles injury. Like no player had done what he'd done before. So of course he was bad. Of course he averaged 2.6 yards per carry because he was only, only brought back to have his pension since you have to be on the active roster, your first double digit 10 seasons. I think it is to actually have your pension. And so it wasn't his fault that he was bad. Sean McVay incorrectly put him into the lineup, 
But we know from Sean McVay's history, he uses only one back. This is still the worst narrative going on in fantasy, that the Rams use multiple backs. They absolutely do not. Last year, in any game that the starting running back was not injured, only one time did their starting running back not handle at least 70% of the team's touches. Cam Akers is going to get every touch, and he's healthy again. Again, two years removed, not one. So I, I absolutely hate right, but, that narrative. But does that even matter? Like, how, what what evidence do you have that an extra year being removed from the hardest injury to return from in sports actually does matter? So, like, I get your point that he's probably healthier, but, like, there's still, like, people have tried to return, but it just never happens at all. So, like, you know, sure, he could probably return to somewhat normalcy, but, like, do you really believe he's fully healthy? I don't know. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the counter argument. Like I said, the bet is fair, but... uh I don't think anyone is maybe maybe everyone's coming to it at the end point. They had the same result, but I don't like I, I just hate I hate this narrative. Um, no, I'll be high on Cam Akers in fantasy. The bet's fine. I'm going to be higher on Cam Akers. Yeah, that makes sense. I think just from like a, and that is kind of, you know, sometimes we are kind of crossing both those streets here, whereas, the, you know, there's a lot of reasons to lean under in a season long prop. Um, versus thinking of a guy at ADP being a value. So I can, I see both sides. Like, um, there seems to be something there. They don't want to give Daryl Henderson a, a ton of carries. And that seems to be the number two guy there. Cause even though when the K makers went down, they went out of their way to trade for Sony Michelle. So like maybe they don't want to give him a full-time role, but like, I do agree that it seems like acres probably has a path to 70, 75% of the touches here. Um, again, there's so many outs on taking an under on a prop. So these are very separate conversations, even though we're having them at the same time. Giving my schedule at this time of the year as well. Uh, you also caught me like 30 minutes post-therapy where I'm now asking myself, is the football unhappy because I'm unhappy or did I do something to the football? So uh, <laughs> there's probably going to be a lot of cross-questioning each other on this show. Well, it's good. It's good content. It's all right. We can we can uh, disagree on stuff. But, but, I, but I will say also why I believe in Cam Akers is because last year, 80% of the Rams' touchdowns occurred through the air as Sean McVay called the third-highest pass play rate from inside the 10-yard line and fourth-highest rate from inside the 5. Stafford actually converted 19 passes inside the 5-yard line into 13 touchdowns last year, including 5 of 7 from the goal line, from only one yard out. Just an absolutely insane ratio that we can almost guarantee won't happen again. And so that's why, like, last year in his career, in his touchdown rate last year, 6.8%, being a new career high in his age 33 in age 33 season and over two percentage points more than his career average of 4.7%. I just say, well, actually, Cam Akers in particular, the Rams running backs are going to score more touchdowns here. And so unless you have something like on their schedule, I don't have anything in depth on their schedule. So like if you have that for me, I'm listening to the to the counter argument. But I just think genuinely they're naturally going to fall into more rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean they have the second hardest schedule in the league. But again, like I, you know, you cashing in on three to four yard rushing touchdowns from Cam Akers is going to help you win his ADP battle and is not going to kill Connor in an under uh, in his rushing prop, right? So I think we can both be, you know, I think you could both be right here. You know, I guess is kind of my point. So um, we do know what they're going to do offensively and that they are very predictable. They play out of 11 almost exclusively 85% of the time. Uh, last year, by far the highest rate, they had three or more receivers on the field, 87% of their offensive snaps, which again is tops in the league. Um, Stafford, the change kind of was what we thought it was going to be. Predictably, they threw down the field significantly more in the years past. Uh, Cooper Cup kind of emerged from just uh, an above average guy to an absolute dominant force and a guy that they think can probably win in goal to goal situations, which is why they think that, you know, they can make that, uh, you know, and kind of go that way versus you know, leaning and handing the ball to the back. So interesting to see what happens here, obviously, with Allen Robinson. He's going to step in. You know, it was last year a fluke. Was this, you know, this is obviously the best quarterback he's ever played with in his career with the Odell injury. He's not there anymore. Robert Woods has moved on. Like, there's a path for Allen Robinson to slide in here and make a massive impact. Uh, where are you on Allen Robinson, Diggle? He is my wide receiver 14. I think he falls literally directly into the role that allowed Robert Woods to have a 20% target share that allowed Odell Beckham to lead the team and targets inside the 10 yard line with seven touchdowns from when he returned. That is Allen Robinson's role. And they paid him 15 million a year to have that role. So like when people try to cite the money, try to cite the role, just remember that he was already mentally checked out before last year, 9.4 targets per season, the two years prior with Chicago before last year, we know 
both sides failed to reach an agreement for two years running. They just couldn't come to anything. And so, like, I don't believe how Matt Nagy used him. I don't believe in his uh, his usage overall on the team as, like, their second or third receiver. He was useless for fantasy last year. I am so much higher than everyone else, and I'm okay with that. I want to be higher on him. Yeah, that's higher than consensus for sure. But I like him too. I'm I'm in on him, and um, I think it was a fluke, but, you know, we'll see. This is a great offense to come to. I think the – I guess it kind of circling back unintentionally the Cam Akers stuff is that – there's a lot of continuity up front in this offensive line last year. They stayed healthy, um, but now it's different this year. Andrew Whitworth retired. Um, he was old as shit, but he was still awesome. Second among left tackles in rate of snaps per blown block. Three straight years being top two in that metric. Uh, they have uh, Joe Noteboom, who was kind of a backup swing guy last year. He's taking over, and they're also looking for a third-round rookie, uh, Logan Bruce, to step in as a right guard. So that is going to be impactful. Again, you know, they can work around that. But again, that is definitely different with the continuity that they had last year. And again, I think I kind of harped on it at the top. Like Connor even mentioned it too. This team is a little fragile. They like this less need model of, of kind of devaluing the draft is does come at a certain point to bite you. Uh, the lack of depth on this team is pretty notable. Now, again, if you run hot and stay healthy, they have a ton of superstars that they've traded for and signed. So like the top level talent here is good enough to go back and do this again. But man, if they have any slip up, they have any injuries on the offensive line or lose one of these stars on the defensive side, you know, some of these guys are getting up there. Even Bobby Wagner, that who they brought over from Seattle in the division. Like these guys are not spring chickens anymore. So, and again, second tough schedule. They open against the bills. They got to travel to Tampa again. They got to go to green Bay again in December. Um, they only have to travel seven times on the season, though. They play week 17 against the Chargers, which again, it's a home game. They're the visitors there, but uh, that's pretty clutch late in the season. But overall, the second most difficult schedule in the league. So, uh, Connor, you said you didn't have a bet here necessarily as far as the team goes? No, not really. But I do I do 100% agree on, on Allen Robinson, though. I've been coming around a bunch. Jordan Rodriguez was talking about how they're like using him all over the formation and like moving around not and john paulson you know brought up a great point too that i believe he was either the wide receiver maybe wide receiver 14 prior to going but robert woods was the wide receiver 14 prior to going down last year uh like you know i, I just think that even if alan robinson like is kind of cooked like he's still in such a good role that it's like hard for him not to outperform his adp or at least meet it and if he isn't and is like you know been playing really well uh you know, like he's going to crush and he is top 10 wide receiver upside. So I think that that's, uh, and plus you're probably going to see a little bit of regression from like Cooper cup. Like, I, I think that's like almost inevitable, like, you know, maybe towards like 1400 yards instead of like whatever he had last year, but still like, he has, he has like 73 fantasy points between him and the next closest receiver. So like even right. the regression, he's a top five guy, but I agree like the 32% target share. I, I don't think it's going to carry over. Yeah. I, I bet Cooper cups over. I was one of the, the props I bet. And uh, actually Paulson's note in the draft guide, I think was, um, you know, on his projections, I think makes a ton of sense. Since 2000, there've been 14 receivers who have gained more than 1600 yards in a season. We've seen about a 13% drop in receptions, 18% drop in yards and about 10% in touchdowns per game on average that following season. So if we kind of just take those averages out, you're looking still at 126 catches 1,587 yards in 14 and a half touchdowns. Our projections have him a tick under 1,700 yards. His number was 1,300 uh, and change on DraftKings. So I still, even with the regression built in, like we're the 1,300 number was, you know, almost 700 yards off of last year's mark. So again, we can build in regression, which I think is correct, and still exceed this number if he's able to, to stay mostly healthy. So I think we still see a big Cooper Cup season even though he's obviously unlikely to repeat a season that had never happened before. So I don't think we're going out on a limb here to say that regression is coming. I'm logged in, so I'm going to use my producer rights and flash this stat really quick because uh, I didn't even think about it. But yes, that's true. Allen Robinson, per Permar, my good friend, is actually two months younger than Cooper Cup. That's an amazing stat. Yeah, I don't think I'm, – I'm team I, – I don't, I don't even know why the A-Rob a is washed thing is even a thing. Because, like, because we are all victims of recency bias. This is what anyone does. Everyone's drafts last year's stats. It's absolutely amazing. But also why I'm always going to have a job, so it's fine. Let them keep drafting last year's stats. He looked bad last year at times, but well, – Of course he did. Justin Fields but, looked bad too. People right. are still drafting him. It's Matt Nagy. doesn't matter. Literally doesn't matter. We did this with Tyler – we did this with Tyler Higby. Remember uh, – 
people said like in Sean McVay's system, Tyler Higby is like never going to bounce back. When we said no, like Tyler Higby two years ago actually led the league in run blocking snaps and he can't do that anymore without Gerald Everett. He has to run more routes. Like just use context people. It's not that hard. This would be Ooh. normally a great segue into a uh, good Gabe Davis debate, but we're not going to go there because this is a betting no, pod. Just draft so, Gabe Davis. Uh, That's like the Christian <laughs> McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor debates uh, going. Why Why? Why are you talking about the one or two? Just draft them. It's not that hard. Life is easy. Well, some people land on the one and they have to make a decision, Hagel. Like, you know. But you're not going to be wrong. Just pick one. No, you're I know. You're not going to be I'm wrong no matter what. I know like, it, it happens for a reason. Like, it's not like, you know, everyone, there's like a one and then we're trying to between two and three. Like it happens. So. Uh, Niners in the news today, uh, 16 and one to win the Super Bowl, eight and one to win the NFC, the win total. Uh, there's a middle out there for you. There's an over nine and a half on MGM. There's an under 10 and a half on points bet. Uh, so if you think that this is a 10 win football team, congratulations. You can win both ways. Middle of the pack from a strength of schedule standpoint, same thing from rest plus three, um, similar to the Rams. We have a new offensive coordinator since Mike McDaniel took his talents to South beach, um, offensive line coach, Chris Forrester, will be backfilling the run game coordinator duties left behind. Anthony Lynn, also now on the staff. He'll be helping with the offensive. Well, uh, we know this is Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? Same thing. We got a new OC with the Rams, new OC with the Niners. Doesn't matter. Head coaches call the plays and build around them. As of today, though, this is Lance or Trey Lance's offense. Um, it was one of the biggest question marks. I think we knew the answer, um, but again, they officially addressed it today. Kyle Shanahan came out and said that he, John Lynch, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mets, uh, they are all on the same page despite taking this club to the NFC title game twice in three years. They are officially handing the keys now to Trey Lance. Again, they needed to address it. Everyone's thought this all along. Uh, basically, reports are like after the NFC you know, championship game, Garoppolo was basically – or the NFC championship game. He was saying bye to people like in the playoffs. Like They knew it was over. But because he had shoulder surgery – like as basically the league year was turning over, they couldn't trade him. So they've been sitting on him. And because there really aren't any other spots to go where Garoppolo could be a starting quarterback and maybe compete for future years, other than in the division in Seattle, which is a very rare thing to see happen, especially at the quarterback position. Like there's a real chance here that they might have to keep him on the roster and have him be the backup quarterback. Now he's owed a ton of money. That's we'll see what happens there. But as of now, Daigle, Trey Lance is here as we thought he would be. What should we expect from the Niners? Niners actually don't have a single matchup projected over 50 points. Or, uh, yeah, 50 points in any Vegas sports book, if you look. And it's probably because they're a run-heavy team. 30th in pass play rate from neutral game script last year. And 29th overall in pass attempts per game. But I also believe that it was the system, not Garoppolo's talent or lack thereof, that allowed him to finish second in yards per attempt behind Burrow last year. Whereas Lance, on top of that, so he can be a system quarterback, but also average 12 carries per game, albeit in his small sample size of two starts, one without George Kittle as well. That first one also, I believe, is against the Cardinals, that if he had not been stonewalled on fourth and short from the goal line and scored that touchdown, he would have been a top 12 quarterback without a passing touchdown, which tells you the exact kind of upside he has. Like, now with an offseason to actually understand the system since Garoppolo is not in the building anymore. So overall, I want to be bullish on them. But at the same time, we also know we were higher on them last year because they had one of the league's easiest schedules, and the NFC offers no competition whatsoever. Like preseason, I said it was the 49ers and the Bucks and the NFC Conference Championship, and then flip a coin. And whoever makes the Super Bowl, great. But that's how easy the schedules were. Whereas it's not the case this year. So I do somewhat worry, and I still think like the NFC is basically the Bucks and whoever the hell else wants to show up. But... Right now, that's kind of where I'm at with their offense and defense. Yeah, so I think that you make a great point. Like, again, we know the Shanahan-led Niners, basically, when he's been here, and even this is kind of what happened when he was in Atlanta and other years in the past in Washington. Like, they lead the league in motion rate. They lead the league in expected completion percentage. And now for four years in a row, they lead the league in yak. Like, this is a scheme-driven thing that's led to the Garoppolo success. And now you add another layer of athleticism in the quarterback position dual threat ability, all these things with Trey Lance, bigger arm. I'll be interested to see what happens here. Connor, what are your thoughts on the Niners? Yeah, I think it's easy to get excited. And like on paper, as you mentioned, you know, all, all the, the different facets of Trey Lance, like it's super easy to get excited about the potential of this offense. But I also think that the floor is a lot lower than like, you know, uh, just I guess from from an offensive standpoint, I, I'm pretty confident that they can make, you know, anything work, just running the ball and being able to kind of dominate their will up front. Um, but 
you know, Lance, I think is a little bit more of a wild card than the market setting on than a team with a win total at nine and a half or 10 and a half. Uh, I mean, that being said, they still have a ton of good pieces around them and the market really, really respects them. Uh, you know, they are favored in 13 games this season and they're actually their biggest underdog game is at three and a half points uh, against the Rams in week eight. So essentially every game is winnable according to Vegas spreads. Uh, and I'm not quite sure I'm there yet, but at the same time, I think that if things come together, like, you know, thing they can legitimately win the Super Bowl. So it's, it's just kind of like that back and forth that I have that I think this is a little bit more of a volatile team that, you know, maybe they're never going to be like a terrible team, but they, I just think that their floor is closer to, you know, like seven, eight wins. And, you know, they could certainly win, you know, win the division here if, if it all pans out, but it really comes down to how much you believe in Trey Lance. And I'm just not ready to get there yet. If that makes sense from a team perspective. Yeah, I think this has kind of been like a ready-made team for the last couple of years, and that's part of why they've been where they've been, the, you know, the NFC title game to the last three years. But I think some of those other pieces that have kind of secured them are a little more fragile too. We have two new offensive line starters. Uh, both of these guys were backups last year, so at least they were in the system. But Alex Mack retired. Um, they were not expecting that. Lakeland Tomlinson signed with the Jets, and they were kind of middle of the pack in both pass and run block win rate last year, expecting they'll probably be – about the same when you have Trent Williams, that helps the cause quite a bit. We know the pass catching core is really nice. You know, obviously with Kittle, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk, what we saw from Debo Samuel last year. Like, I think we still see a little bit like, less than we saw down the stretch of that, like wide back role where Debo Samuel is basically, you know, lined up in the backfield. But I think they'll be foolish to stop handling, handing him the ball. Like he was incredible last year. Actually, PFF charted him. He's the highest rate of broken tackles for anyone with 50 carries or more in a season since they've started tracking. Like, that's insane. Like, he is unbelievable when they get the ball in his hands. Elijah Mitchell is nice. He hasn't been able to, you know, again, six-round pick, wasn't able to stay incredibly healthy last year. I think they took the L with Trey Sermon. Ty Davis-Price is interesting. Um, I'm interested to hear what Daigle's thoughts are there, too. But, uh, yeah, I guess Daigle talked to me about kind of the offensive weapons and how to attack him. Again, 31st in pass rate over expectation last year. We know this is still going to be a team that wants to run the football. Everyone mentions Shanahanigans as if they don't understand. Maybe they don't understand how Shanahan uses his offense. But last year, and I'm about to preface this, I'll preface this by saying I don't expect it to be that this year, actually. But last year, like Elijah Mitchell averaged 23 carries per game in the games he played uh, and didn't get injured in. It's very clear that's how they used them. Jamichael Hasty was their third down option. And then when healthy previously, it was Jeff Wilson inside the 10-yard line. They prefer a goal line bruiser, but last year didn't do that. They instead just pivoted to Debo Samuel, and that's why he scored, I guess, on uh, for every 10 carries he received in the second half of the season. But now with a with a bigger bruiser like Tyrion Davis-Price, like I do think he'll have a role from day one. The reports out of camper that they want to use a committee, and I think that's what they have actually in their backfield. Trey Sermon doesn't matter at all. Trey Sermon is just a special teams fullback essentially. But Terry Davis Price gives them what they wanted inside the ten and five yard line to relieve Elijah Mitchell. So I would like to be a little bit lower on Elijah Mitchell, knowing he's going to have those low calorie carries and basically it pulled off the field inside whenever they reach inside the twenty yard line for either Terry and David Price or Debo Samuel. So I'm a little bit lower on Elijah Mitchell than most, especially like I didn't even factor in there. Trey Lance's carries from inside the 10 too. Yeah. This is the Alfred Morris uh, corollary from back in the day with that first year with, uh, you know, with RG three, like yep. you just a guy who's just a guy can really become a dominant fantasy force and overperform his weekend. We get in expectations from like a prop standpoint, because just the floor is so much higher when you're surrounded by a rushing quarterback. So uh, they're very interesting to me. I'm not touting Davis Price like a lot of sites because I don't think he has three down upside. Like, uh, as long as Elijah Mitchell is healthy, I guess he could then fall into that role. But they've already shown us and told us they want three to four backs. And so, like, Elijah Mitchell has to be removed because he's much more explosive than Davis Price from the 20s in order to get Davis Price more carries. So that's why I, uh, I, I yeah, every everyone is every site I've noticed has a different argument for direct backups like some have Rashad White higher even though he basically doesn't have a role until Leonard Fournette goes down so it all just depends how you play your backup running backs shocking that Leonard Fournette's down to 245 Connor I know that was your biggest thing I forgot to text you in that group that uh you're you're big on Lenny and uh, you know shout out to you for saying that he'd get he'd get right again and uh, I mean thankfully we only had one draft so far that it didn't I mean we weren't really in a I would say a strong position to take him compared to who he did take 
Um, but you know, I think we're we're fine there. Another bet I'd like to touch on though. So I bet this at 40 to one, uh, like kind of a long shot here. Trey Lance to lead the league in interceptions. So in two and a half games last year, he had 11 interceptable passes. Obviously, the biggest concern here is volume. But, you know, I just kind of going back to like why they drafted him was to, you know, be a little bit more aggressive to have someone with like kind of the upside to take more shots to like feel comfortable, you know, kind of executing their offense and be a little bit more multiple. So I think that some of that kind of plays into just them taking more risks and, you know, being a little bit more aggressive with a guy like Lance. So. Uh, you know, again, 40 to one, it's 30 to one right now on a bet MGM. You know, I'm not saying to put a full unit on or anything, but a, a sprinkle, I think is worth the touch there. Yeah. That's a good look. Yeah. Good price too. Um, I think some of the other reasons too, like the defensively, there are some avenues in which you could see that they take a little step back too. They lost some depth up front. Uh, DJ Jones was terrific for them last year. He's gone. Arden key, Kadavia street. These were impactful starters. They're going to need um, Javon Kinlaw, uh, from you know a couple drafts ago and Drake Jackson from this draft to really step up up front. Again, when you have Nick Bosa, you know, Eric Armstead, Fred, you know, Warner, like these guys are core pieces. But if they go down, the rest of the team is a little bit dicey. They threw a bag at Chiefs former corner Ashadavius Ward to be like the main corner, but they're gonna need help from other guys. They had a lot of injuries last season. They don't really have anyone on paper that looks great on the other side of him when healthy. Only the Bears were worse against deep passes last season. So, again, they played a slow play, slow pace. They want to control the game. They're only going to want to do that more, I think, with Lance. So it's going to be interesting to see. The schedule is really nice for Lance to come in here and just kind of get his feet under him. Uh, Bears and Seahawks week one and week two. Their only back-to-back road game all season are week five and six. It's Atlanta and Carolina. So, like, not exactly a murderer's row to get started. So pretty nice opening schedule for Lance to kind of get it going and – I'll uh, be interested to see. I do think the range of outcomes here is pretty drastic, uh, as Connor mentioned, but uh, not a play here for me. But again, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. There could be some value here if, you know, over nine and a half could look real foolish based off of some of the way the numbers are projected going in. And if Lance delivers quickly, uh, there'll be some buying opportunities here. All right. Cardinals in the news yesterday uh, 35 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 20 to 1 to win the NFC, uh, over eight and a half is available on DraftKings. There's an under nine available on Caesars. They are four to one to win this division. Uh, they have the hardest, or other than the Rams, they have uh, actually bottom eight strength of schedule. So tough one as well. Um, just like 2020, uh, the Cardinals last year got off to a hot start. Steamrolled Tennessee in week one. Then they won a couple weeks later in LA against the Rams. And next thing you know, last undefeated team. Collar is a MVP front runner. And it's Cliff Kingsbury thing is finally starting to happen. Then we kind of lost the wheel, right? DeAndre Hopkins goes down with an ankle injury. The defense had been kind of overperforming a little bit, even though they were a little vanilla. Uh, that kind of fell apart. And they're going to begin 2022 with some of these same issues. Hopkins popped for PEDs. He'll be out for six games. Chandler Jones, their most impactful defensive player last year, now on the Raiders. On Monday, they answered one of the biggest questions that they had in the offseason by giving Kyler a multi-year extension with all sorts of curious stipulations that left everyone scratching their heads. I feel bad for him that some of those things became public and it's very weird, but maybe telling Daigle, I'd love to get your thoughts here on the Cardinals. Well, we have three years of Cliff Kingsbury coaching, so there's not really much left to the imagination. Uh, Marcus Brown did get added to the non-football injury list. Is that what it was? Was it pup list or an NFI? Whatever the case. NFI with a hammy. Yeah. Yeah. Hamstring injury. I'm not worried about it. We're still a full month away from, week one. So I don't care. Uh, but overall their offense did get better. Yes. They're going to be missing Deandre Hopkins for the first six games, but they also for fantasy, at least, uh, do open and shootouts. Their first three games actually uh, are projected with three consecutive 50 plus point totals. And we know that Kyler Murray only struggled last year due to injury, 72% completion completion rate, 8.8 yards per attempt and six carries per game as fantasy's QB five through week eight until he sprained his ankle and missed the next month of the season. And then when he returned for his final seven starts, decreased 64% completion rate, 6.4 yards per attempt and just seven touchdowns to five picks overall. So of course he struggled because he was injured and the rest of the team was injured. I still don't understand how Colt McCoy had a 300 yard game when everyone else was injured too. Nonetheless, he did have that one performance for his career. Uh, Kyler Murray struggled though. And so Yes, Kyler Murray's going to return at full health. Everything will be just fine. I'm not worried at all. Zach Ertz averaged eight and a half targets per game with a very safe catch rate whenever DeAndre Hopkins was absent last year, and they'll just do that again. So I don't worry about the Cardinals. 
pretty much at all. But also, that's for fantasy. For their win-loss, I'm interested to hear Connor's takes. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's too strong of a take, but I do like the over for kind of the... I just think that, I mean, their offense is could be one of the like best, you know, like, I mean, yeah. they should be like, they have an explosive offense. The more they looked at it on paper, I was just like, this win total seems, seems low. I mean, you're looking at minus one Oh five, a DK over eight and a half wins. You know, they're only, I guess some of the, the look ahead lines are not as high on them. Only favored in eight games this season. As, as Noonan mentioned, ninth toughest strength of schedule. Their net rest is only is negative three, but they have four games where they're getting at least a day less of rest than their opponent. And then they have three, you know, on the other way where they're positive, but, Right. Like, like you said that, you know, as long as Kyler's healthy and Marquise Brown is able to, you know, reconnect with him pretty quick, which, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I think that he probably will. Um, I mean, I think that they're going to be, their offense is going to be just fine when they get Hopkins back. Like they have elite offensive potential there uh, with, you know, James Conner in between the tackles, catching passes and, you know, both uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown. So there was a, a Marquise Brown prop uh, popped at 825 originally yards, which was, was really low compared to our projections. Now that got up to 900, but I still do think that there could be early on in the season, like Dago mentioned in some high total games, some like pretty easy overs on Marquise Browns, you know, maybe in like we catch like a mid fifties or low fifties on that. Um, you know, I think that that's very much in play uh, for some early props in the season. Interesting. I'm down on the Cardinals a little bit. Um, really? Hmm. Let's hear it. Well, so, you know, I, th- I think the Marquise Brown signing is nice, but I feel like that replaces Christian Kirk more so than Christian Kirk and then six games of DeAndre Hopkins, right? So, like, they're still kind of, I think, down from a talent perspective. They need Rondell Moore to really step up. This is not a great offensive line. Um, they're basically running it back. The Most of their guys that are contributors here are on the wrong side of 30. But really, my concern more than anything. Well, well, first I'll stay on the offensive side. I love James Conner. I have a ton of James Conner. James Conner has a three-down role. He managed to stay healthy last year. That has not been something that he's done throughout his career. Um, and again, I'm not here to predict injuries. But what they have behind them isn't super exciting. And again, I think he's running. By, you know, it's not a great offensive line. I like Kyler. He's managed to not stay healthy as well. There've been pretty significant impactful injuries: hamstring, shoulder. You know, there's just been ankles. There's been stuff every year, and you know that's impacts either how he rushes or how he throw. You know, ends up throwing the ball. Right? He ends up. We see fewer scrambles, you know, fewer design runs, and then when he hurt his shoulder a couple of years ago, it was a lot of dink and dunk, dunk stuff. I think the offense is going to be okay. This defense is fucking terrible. This might be the worst secondary in the league. They were uh, since Vance Joseph has been there. They've been one of the blitz heaviest teams. They're going to do it again because they really have. Nothing else. Um, they lost Chandler Jones, Corey Peters, and Jordan Hicks. Um, some of the key guys, like when those guys played, um, they had a significantly better defense from an EPA standpoint over the last handful of years. Those guys have been out of the lineup. It's been very different. They're going to need Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, two of their first-round picks the last two years, to step up. And they're counting on multiple third-round picks to start this season um, up front, and that's going to be a big problem. Um they the secondary is really bad guys so like i i don't know i just think yeah like they have three totals over 50 to start the season it's the, the chiefs the raiders and the rams like they're probably dogs in all three of those games and i wouldn't be surprised if they lost all three of them so um i mean they're probably a coin flip in in vegas against the raiders but like you know i don't know like I, who's matching up against Devontae adams in that game so that's a very poor secondary so i, I mean they're gonna have to be an elite team uh, they're like a good Giants, in my opinion. Like their offense has a ton of upside, but the defense is really poor and problematic. And if they don't win these shootouts, if they're not winning 35-31, they're going to lose a lot of football games because they're really lacking talent on the defensive side of the football. You could sell me on that. I mean, you could sell me on the defense, you know, because I think the the offense, I mean, the offense can easily go toe-to-toe with, you know, all the teams that you just I agree. said there. So, yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, Hopkins is going to come back. Um, right. So, like, I, I get it, but – yeah, the defense is poor, and um, yeah, they they have to blitz to hide a lot of things. And when the blitz doesn't get home, that's kind of crazy. The one other stat that I had: they were top five in takeaway rate last season. Again, we not super sticky, but again, you can create that. Offensively, they fumbled the ball twenty five times last year. They recovered twenty three of twenty five offensive fumbles last year. That is not sustainable. Um again, even if it's a little bit like again, that's it regresses somewhat to the middle of the pack. We're talking about eight, nine possessions, 10 possessions. Like it's huge over the course of a season and adds up. So again, we have to look for these little things here and there. 
again, tough schedule right away. And there's a tough stretch just before the bye, too. Uh, they're at the Rams, then they host the Niners and the Chargers. A couple of little tough schedules or little pockets of schedules. So, um, yeah, I don't know that under nine is bettable. Um, if it was nine and a half, I'd love to get them because I think this could be a nine-win football team. Like you guys said, the, the offense can outscore opponents. But, yeah, I think that this is an underrated, sneaky, bad defense with you know all the losses that they've had from – key contributors and they need a lot of startable, you know, days from, from really late round draft picks. And that's, that's tough. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good look. I mean, I think that only bolsters the fantasy case and kind of something we're saying where I was mentioning about the props, you know, like hitting some prop overs early on, or just potentially trying to like buy into some shootouts um, because there could be some just electric games as long as they're, they're healthy. So. Yeah. I need James Conner to be, what we think he can be when he stays healthy because he was right, dynamic he, last year. Yeah. Five and a half targets, 20.8 touches per game and five starts without chase Edmonds. I, I like to compare him. He wasn't even healthy last year. Remember, by the way, he still hasn't played a full season in his entire career because he's an American hero. Like he's, he's on the football field of surviving cancer. He doesn't need to play a season. I, I like to call him though, the Will Fuller of running backs because everyone avoids him for those injuries, but he literally wins you your leagues when he's out there. So who cares when he's injured or not? He still wins you your league and your week whenever you play him. So yeah, of course we're higher on James Conner. All right. Seahawks. Last one. 150 to one to win the Super Bowl. 80 to one to win the NFC. There is uh, over five and a half if you are bullish here on Fandle. Under six available on Caesars. They are 18 to one to win the division. 22nd in terms of strength of schedule. And they are plus one from a rest advantage standpoint. New era, obviously, here in Seattle. Nine straight winning seasons. Russ is gone. Bobby Wagner is gone. Worst quarterback room in the league. And whoever wins this quarterback battle is going to play behind a bottom three offensive line. Tough scene here, Daigle, in the Pacific Northwest. Talk to me about the Seahawks. You mentioned their offensive line. Justin Edwards actually ranked them 27th overall uh, because they'll be using basically two rookies from day one. And this is Charles Cross in the first round, number nine overall. And then Abraham Lucas, who will compete at least to start on the right side of the line that they picked on day two. But Remember, like this is a run-heavy team that last year, even with Russell Wilson, Seattle averaged three fewer plays per game than the next closest team, a league low. They ranked stone last in pass attempts per game, and their wide receivers collectively averaged only 20 routes per game. And again, that was Russ forcing the issue since he liked to call his own plays and go up tempo. Like with Pete Carroll at his own demise, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be awful. Having said that, like we mentioned with the Ravens and having like top 11, finishing top 11 in plays per game in the last decade, the same thing can go for Seattle and that their league low plays per game last year, the third lowest of any team in the last decade, like you would expect that to reverse as well. Can they actually be bottom two in the last decade? I don't think so. That's not how regression works. And so I do expect them to run more plays, but even if it's like three to six more per game, this is the worst offense, like you said, in a league by far. Uh, Geno Smith had four starts, a career backup to get it right. He averaged 219 yards per game and got lucky to throw four touchdowns to DK Metcalf in that little span. So overall, yeah, it's going to be a disastrous product. And it sucks because their running backs actually do have talent. Rashad Penny and Ken Walker are incredible talents at the position, but they're going to eat away at each other. And like I argue for Kyle Pitts and uh, uh, Drake, um, somebody help me out here. London, London. Thank you. Uh, forgot for a second there. Like I argue for them, really, how many points, how many touchdowns do you really expect Seattle to score? The answer is not many. Same for the Falcons, not many. Falcons actually will probably go under five wins like the Seahawks will. And so I don't want to be banking on these players at ADPs. And so overall, yes, we should all just be much lower anyways and not bank on efficiency for Seattle to come through. Yeah, what are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, pretty much much, much of the same there. I just don't think that they realize how much Russell Wilson bailed them out in his time yeah. there. And you kind of see like the history of Pete Carroll with the Seahawks is like, you know, they banked on uh, a really good defense for like multiple years, you know, early in Russ's career. And like, you know, they were able to run the ball. I mean, Russ was a game manager for a lot of his early part of the career, but then the defense got bad. And once they lost the Legion of Boom, you know, the defense got bad and they were constantly continuing to run the ball, but then Russ would have to play catch up and bail them out every single game pretty much. And that was for another few years. Then they started to try to, change you know their 
their formula a little bit because they had to because their defense was so bad. Like they just their defense never ended up getting good again. And then we look at last year, 20th in EPA per play, 27th in pressure rate. And they added Uchenna and Woso, but I mean that's not enough to like you know really change anything. Uh, and so I, I mean. Now I just think that Pete Carroll is delusional in the fact that he can go back to his run heavy offense and bank on, you know, good defense and run heavy offense to kind of, to win games. And like his quarterback just doesn't matter. Like, I think he was kind of like, whatever, like, you know, we'll win without you. We don't need you. But I just think he's so, so far off to off base here that, um, you know, like, I don't think they have a plan to be efficient. I don't think they have any of that. Like they're going to go back to what he believes is his core. So yeah, you can find under six right now at minus minus one thirty at Caesars. Um, you know, maybe you get a push with six wins, but I struggle to believe that they ever win seven seven games in this in this division and their schedule. Tenth toughest strength of schedule, favored in just four games this season. So yeah, I mean, I, I think the under is a, a pretty solid look here for the Seahawks. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Daigle made mention of the you know offensive plays. Uh, it's a little nugget from Football Outsiders. They were on the, they had fifty six plays per game, it was the fewest in the league. Defense was on the field for seventy point six plays per game, which is the most in the league as a negative 14 and a half play per game deficit, which is the largest deficit outside of expansion era Browns and Bengals since 1950. Like that's incredible. And I don't know how they get away from it this year. Like Ken Norton was fired. He's a scapegoat for last year's struggles. Clint Hurt, who was uh, on the staff last year is now going to, you know, take the DC role. They're going to shift to a three, four, the secondary is a mess. Like they're paying Jamal Adams a ton of money. He's more like a box safety who is really good at rushing the passer. He's an absolute liability in coverage. Their best corner, DJ Reed, who wasn't even like a starter heading into the season, just kind of earned his way on, played really well. He signed with the Jets. He's gone. Um, they played a league low 15% man last season because they know they lack talent. They played just a ton of, you know, three cover shell and basically did not let you get behind them and made you beat them with dink and dunk stuff, they gave up a league worst 51% success rate. Um, and again, like they also were like top two in average depth of target. So like teams weren't throwing deep on them. They didn't try. They literally just took what the defense gave them and had success doing so. And I don't think that there's really anything just from like a talent standpoint, either up front from a pass rush or in the secondary, that's going to change that. They're going to have to do something similar, just kind of hold on to their asses from a zone standpoint Hope that you make mistakes. And we just don't see many quarterbacks nowadays do that. That's why we saw a ton of running back passes against them, a ton of stuff underneath to slot receivers, tight ends. I think we start to, to exploit that in fantasy and DFS in the prop market, um, you know, receptions to running backs, like sometimes as a, as a bugaboo for us in the prop market, because oftentimes the numbers seem low. Uh, they're easy to chase. And then like, uh, you know, you just get caught chasing projections there, but the, not the, Seahawks seem like a place that maybe we want to go in target running back receptions. Cause I, I think we see more of the same. It's going to be a, an ugly, ugly situation. Daigle, do you think it's Geno Smith or do you think it's Drew Locke? Geno Smith has been in the open since mini camp. Uh, and by the way, if you were plugged into mini camp, you were ahead of your league. Just keep that in mind. Like we've known Josh Palmer has been the starting receiver in three wide sets. The Chargers preview is one of the first one I did, and I have it in that preview because we were all plugged into mini camps. Like nothing has changed ahead of Jalen Guyton. So um, Geno Smith was a starter then, and imagine Drew Locke ever winning a competition. It won't ever happen in his career. So no, Geno Smith will start, but Geno Smith also is is what he is. Like he's a career backup. Drew Locke is maybe a career third stringer, maybe. So it's just like they don't. All of them have none to, nowhere to go. That's why. I mentioned the four touchdowns DK Metcalf. This is for fantasy again. I mentioned the four touchdowns he scored from Geno Smith, and that is his profile. But on the other hand, he did that on a 22% target share. Tyler Lockett actually led the team from Geno Smith with a 28% target share. And they are three rounds, three to five rounds apart still, depending where you draft, which format. And so I still like just banking on Tyler Lockett, who has actually had more top five performances the past two years than DK Metcalf. And I understand that was with Russell Wilson, but at the same time, like he's shown us he has a ceiling and it's an ambiguous situation. So I just bank on Tyler Lockett. I literally never draft DK Metcalf. Pray for me. <laughs> I have uh, more Tyler Lockett than I want to, because I have a, a hard time passing him up when you like eighth, seventh round, to ninth right? round yeah. every tub. Yeah. yeah. Every tub. you know, just, and again, in the best ball streets, we just need those spike weeks and we know that he can do it. And you know, Gino is not, not good, but he, like he can give him a couple of spike weeks here and there. I guess that's as safe as I will say. So, 
All right. Favorite bets, gentlemen, as we wrap up here in the uh, NFC West. Connor, I will start with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll roll with my my Trey Lance most interceptions, 30 to 1 on BetMGM. Still a good look. You know, tons of interceptable passes. Uh, I think he'll be in contention. So getting, you know, maybe doesn't win, but 30 to 1 CLV might not pay the mortgage, but you might come close. Speaking my language. Let's go. There are a couple takes, not win loss takes really in this division, but I will say Allen Robinson, top 12 receiver fantasy. What about that? Especially because his ADP is still like just outside the top 20, I believe. All right, I like it. Cooper Cup number still out there in the marketplace. Uh, if you're looking to back that over, which I think we can make a pretty strong case for, uh, looks like points bet, uh, MGM both have uh, 12.99, so even a yard better than I got uh, on DraftKings first to market. And I'm also going to just back up the take here, where similar to Connor's thoughts around the Seahawks under at six, you might get a push. Um, I'm going to do that with with the Cardinals under nine. I think that they could maybe get to nine wins, but I do not think this is a 10-win football team. I really don't think it's a nine-win football team. I think the defense becomes a problem for them, and um, we've seen too much surprising predictability out of uh, Kurt Kingsbury, who Cliff Kingsbury, who we thought was going to be this progressive offensive mind, and they are fairly predictable. They are limited from a pre-snap motion standpoint. We know what they want to do, and they have uh, more questions than answers. So I will go under on the Cardinals. So good stuff as always, gentlemen. Connor? Uh, any, uh, I know you were kind of fishing for tips of what to do in Spain today. Did you get any uh, good recommendations of things you need to do? Yeah, I had a, bu- a bunch of people, uh, you know, pop into my mentions and recommend like a bunch of different restaurants and stuff. Cause, uh, Sam Hoppin was telling me that just like finding places to eat in terms of like, like online is like impossible there. And I mean, I know from, from traveling that generally you should actually like trying to ask people like that's generally the best way is like ask locals and stuff like that. Even if they may shoo you away, you'll find someone nice enough to, you know, kind of give you a good tip here and there. But, uh, you know, I still like to be a little bit more prepared. So I, I got some good tips there and I'm pretty, pretty pumped to, you know, eat some good food, drink some, drink some good booze and just hang out for you know a week or so. It was nice of Sam to help you, even though we've been crushing Sam. Uh, the back ends. I was surprised. I was surprised. He, he sent me a, a nice document with uh, some tips for Barcelona. Uh, so that was, that was super nice of him. Sam's working hard in the back end to, to continue to make our offering at four for four, uh, the best in the business from a tool standpoint, you know, anything that we are asking for, if he is at least entertaining the idea of creating for us and some of the things he is doing uh, in quick turnaround. So we're excited to show those to you when they are ready to go. I'm thinking you're going to really help everyone's process. Regardless of your fantasy, your betting, you're looking to hit the prop market. I think we're going to continue to have uh, you know value for you on the site. Um, Daigle, how many previews do you have left? Oh, still a little bit. Half the league. Um, I'm, tw- okay. I'm done with 12. I will have, I'm pretty sure I'll have 16 by Thursday, Friday, and then hit them hard again next week, and we should be close. We're very close. Nice. Good work, brother. And it made me realize how close we really are when the news report started coming in today, I was like, Oh no, like, uh, yeah, it's time. It's time to it's get serious. Time. Yep. Camps happening. Uh, those camp battles are, it, it, it's starting to matter. So it's good stuff. So, uh, Daigle and I will be here next week without Connor, I believe with sharp Clark, uh, talking about a to be determined division. So for Connor and Daigle and Ryan, we'll see you all next time.